Welcome to a special episode of the Bakari Sellers Podcast. Today, I got a special person on this episode to help guide me through it. I got my big brother, somebody I love and adore, uh, who has the dopest podcast on The Ringer. I'll say I have the second. Bill Simmons has the third, but none other than <laughs> Van Lathan. What's going on, my brother Van? How are you? I'm, I'm good, my man. How are you doing? Man. Pleasure, pleasure to talk to you. You know we always like to kick it. Man, I had to bring it in to kick it, man. Congratulations on all your success. And then I got my Morehouse brother on here, somebody who is the smartest person on this podcast, who is a doctor. I let him tell you a little bit about, I let him tell you a little bit about himself. But Dr. Italo Brown, what's going on, brother? Uh, what's going on with you, man? It's, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm an emergency physician, uh, teach social justice and health equity at Stanford as well. Uh, just glad to be here with you guys. Man, look, I, I got Van on because the number one thing in our communities that we're talking about right now is this Omarion that's chasing everybody around and chasing everybody down. So I, I wanted to start and, and, and Van, you, you, you hop in whenever you deem fit. But I wanted you to tell us just the difference right now. What, what exactly are we dealing with here, Dr. Brown? And I'm going to call you Dr. Brown, not like we in the cab back at Morehouse. You, you've, you've earned you've earned that. But tell me here, what, what are we dealing with here? And what's the difference between this Omicron version of, of COVID, uh, the Delta version of COVID, and just COVID-19, the original version, the one that, the one that ain't really circulating as much anymore? I feel that, man. This, this is the remix. This is uh, a version of what we've seen previously, right? So when SARS-CoV-2, that's like the name of the virus. I make sure that we get the nomenclature correct. SARS-CoV-2 is the virus. COVID are the symptoms that we see, and it's the entire uh, syndrome associated to the virus. So the syndrome hasn't changed, but that particular virus, a part of it is what's changing. So it's almost as if I had uh, you know, a basketball team, there's a player, and the player is switching in and out jerseys. Like at one time you got the home jersey, then he gets the away jersey, and then there's like a you know expansion pack jersey. That's what's happening with these variants. Now, Omicron specifically, uh, the reason why we're concerned about it is because the previous versions of this weren't as infectious. We're seeing people, you know, the numbers have increased dramatically over a short amount of time, and that's why everybody's kind of concerned. Mm. Let's talk messaging for a second, if you don't mind, because the the messaging surrounding COVID has been, uh, let's say, inconsistent. Facts would be uh, like would I mean, be sort of a, the like CD, a, the CDC just basically facts. said uh, you could just put the tip in, right? You can yeah. put the tip in, right? Now. All right. Yes. Yeah, let's say it has been inconsistent. So. You know, I hear a lot of different things. We we had uh, Eric Feigelding on um, Higher Learning, and the question I want to ask him is: some of the stuff I read actually says that Omicron could be a blessing in disguise because the symptoms are milder, yet it's right. so much more infectious that right. perhaps it'll burn through the population, produce some sort of Im uh, immunity, herd immunity, and and bring an end to the, the the pandemic a little bit sooner. Feigelding said. Not so fast. <laughs> he wasn't really into that line of thinking. I'll ask you now, Dr. Brown, what do you think about that? Well, let me talk about this messaging first. I mean, and I got to be completely transparent. The CDC, uh, they, they're running out of credit with a lot of communities, right? You know, they've been uh, giving different types of recommendations from the beginning. I'm even had to be prompted to capture racial ethnic data in the beginning. They were suppressing that information. So in my opinion, the CDC has been kind of sketch in terms of how they release information and, and who the factors are that determine this. Yeah, Dr. But, Brown, let me say something real quick. Sure. They're not running out of credit. 
<laughs> they credit to gone bad. They're like my uncle Leroy. <laughs> You know what I mean? Don't co-sign on the call for the CDC right now. It's bad out there. Yeah, no, out there right. Especially in our community. Right. They are not. That's why it's good to see a brother like you because the, the CDC is, is they've run out of credit for a lot of people. No, that's a big fact. And, and so I just want to acknowledge that the questions that people have are legitimate. You know, we can't continue to gaslight people for wondering why uh, one week it's 10 days and the next week it's five days. I was in the middle of a shift when the release was made and then a patient said, hey, it's actually five. And I was like, wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) It was bad business. And I was like, y'all could have sent an email to me at the start of my shift. And then I could have said this consistently. But with that said, um, I think that what we're more concerned about now is if it burns through the population, I don't expect it to be, you know, like kind of a disappearing virus. I expect that there's going to be further mutations because that's what viruses do. They try to survive. And so if we see it burn through more rapidly, I just expect there to be different levels of mutation. And this one protein that we continue to talk about, the spike protein that you hear of, what if the mutation doesn't happen there and it happens somewhere else? And then we're dealing with a whole new uh, a, a whole new virus or a whole different uh, iteration of this virus. So I don't Man, want I, it to. I'm a, I'm, I don't even know what 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 he said right there. No, uh, I, I can break it down, man. The main thing I'm saying is if, if we're going and looking at numbers, right, and you're seeing a rapid increase of people who are of cases, right, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to exhaust them at some point. It just means that the virus is going to get smarter because our treatment is getting better. Mm. Let me me ask you this. So while we're on messaging um, for people who still aren't vaccinated or who haven't gotten the booster, what's your message to them based on what you're seeing in the emergency room? And so the other day in the emergency department, we uh, tested somewhere around like 150 people during my shift. Just, you know, this is an eight hour shift. That's outrageous. You know, there are places with lines that are two two hours, I mean, uh, two days for turnaround times, lines around the block. Uh, the unvaccinated are uh, essentially, you know, trying to do what's right from what I understand, where they're getting tested, right? They're getting tested so they can do and participate in activities. Uh, but at the same time, we know that the outcomes for the unvaccinated are far more severe than those who are vaccinated. The patients that I see that are uh, coming in the ED getting tested or have uh, positive tests, I'm like, yeah, you know, you're vaccinated. So you're less likely to show back up to my hospital on day five when the symptoms are like, you know, really ripping through you. You're less likely to have a fatality because of this. But I can't say the same thing for my unvaccinated patients. And that's what really, really irks me. And then the fact that it's politicized is the biggest part that I struggle with because I'm a doctor. I'm looking at science. I'm not trying to change your political views in an emergency department waiting room. I just want you to you know, be as healthy as you can be. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube. Car more. 
to find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. So how do we depoliticize this? Because the most dangerous thing about, (laughs) I used to think that information was a garden. Facts. And now I've realized that information can also be a desert. A place listen, where you listen just, to Langston, Langston Hughes, like, you know, <laughs> where you can, like, where it could be a desert where people just wander around and wander around and wander around, going from oasis to oasis to oasis, mirage to mirage to mirage. How I am exhausted with the vaccination conversation. I don't even care. Like, I, I mean, obviously, I would want everyone to be vaccinated, but I'm tired of being called like a shield for big pharma. I'm tired of being called like I work for the white man and stuff like that. Man, it's that exhausting. So what do we do about this? Because at the end of the day, like us dying of a disease that uh, that we don't have to die from is really only going to hurt us. So how do we fight this war? How do we motivate people to take care of themselves in this time? Coming from someone who sees it all the time, do you have any strategies for us to depoliticize this? Yeah, and no, I, I first off, I really, I really feel you on that like exhaustion because having this conversation over and over and over and over again, and then people essentially making you out to be some type of like government, you know, agent because you're preaching this, it it, it sometimes hurts, right? Um, and then on the other side of things, my colleagues, I saw one of my colleagues post a meme one time of that Ivan Drago thing of talking about the vac- the unvaccinated. If he dies, he dies. And I was like, come on, y'all. Like, I can't we, I can't get with that either. We're not there. Right. I'm like, we can't be that either. I can't be that level of exhaustion. So I hear your point. Um, The way that we depoliticize this, from what I understand, is I like the numbers. I like showing the graph and saying, hey, you know, if we're looking at the number of deaths and hospitalizations and you see the chart and you see the gap between the vaccinated that are like very minimal deaths, some hospitalizations and then the unvaccinated and it's like skyrocketing high. You're like, look, you see it. I'm not making this up. And this is probably underestimated. So, like, I just showed that information. I'm like, look, we're going to have to accept that some people are not going to get vaccinated. It's an asymptote. We get as close as we can to it. After that, we, you know, can't push further. But numbers are going to continue to tell the story of COVID-19. So, let me, you mentioned something about testing. Let's go back to that. And can you tell me about testing and why it is so fucking bad in this country? Look, I mean, my (laughs) wife, my wife got Omarion last week. And she got tested on she got tested on Tuesday and it took her till took 60 hours to get the results back. I know people I know people who are on hour 72 like they've gotten they've gotten tested. They knew they had it. They've they've already gotten a negative result back from a rapid and then they get their PCR test back. What is going on with testing in this country? And why is it so bad? I thought we had that part down. Nah, man. I think what we did was we kind of eased up, right? So the vaccine bought us time. 
the vaccine made us feel like, all right, you know, we don't have to solve some of these uh, these process flow issues. We just said, all right, you know, people are out doing their thing. We should have had the foresight to really build capacity to do testing. Now, the antigen test, honestly, next to the vaccine is one of the greatest uh, health innovations of 2021, right? Obviously, being able to do this at home, that antigen test helps a lot of people with early detection and, uh, again, being able to do stuff like quarantine or isolate early, right? But a PCR test is our gold standard. And so if we hadn't put the effort towards like building that machine to get these PCR tests back, I can get them in my hospital for inpatients in 90 minutes. But what does that say for, you know, my cousin who or someone who lives in Oakland, you know, where I'm like, yo, I need you to get this test and find it out. And you can't get it back in 90 minutes. You takes you two days or a day and a half. And suppose that same person has exposure to other folks based upon their occupation or based upon, you know, just their living situation. So where I think we dropped the ball was not pushing ourselves to come up with more cost-effective PCR testing and putting it in these hotspot areas where you can get it as fast as you could get a supersized drink or as fast as you can go Mm -hmm. and get a box of cigarettes. We didn't do that. Mm. Now you're talking. Um, So, it's funny that you say I found a little pharmacy here in in Beverly Hills where I can get the I can get in the Beverly, uh, in Beverly Hills. It's, <laughs> it ain't real casually though. Well, he had, that ain't bad news. It, <laughs> <casually. laughs> right. it, it ain't bad news. I can tell you that. Like I, I, I had to find a little pharmacy that you know it's like my little like I got a little inside stash. It's like yo man, if you need a test, come over here, man. My man got oh, you. Yeah, you my, guy, I mean? my, guy, my, my guy, my guy, my plug. Do that, yeah. Yeah, sure. I got the plugs. Got a plug. Um, I, you know. Died in the wool, died in the wool liberal. Everybody knows it about me. Almost damn near socialist, whatever. Uh, <laughs> yeah, facts. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but here's the question, and I have to ask a question. We're going to marry uh, sort of medicine and politics right now. We have a new administration in um, uh, with sort of a, a new edict and a new uh, vision for America. How do you feel like they've been in terms of ramping up the testing and getting people out there and and, and, and tackling this? Has is there anything more that the federal government can do from your side of things to make these tests a little bit uh, easier for people to get? Yeah, I I mean, I think that in the beginning, there was uh, a need to kind of like create this task force because the work wasn't being done. Um, Again, my concern was that I think we let our foot off the gas pedal too early. Uh, Everything shifted from understanding testing, the need for expanded testing to the need for, you know, decreasing vaccine hesitancy and getting as many people vaccinated as possible. So the focus shifted. And when that happened, we were not able to keep this plate spinning on top of this uh, needle. And so uh, where I think the administration lands right now, honestly, is the so I want to say maybe. A couple months ago, they released their final report and we're going to, you know, break break apart this task force. And I think that that's been uh, essentially reversed because of this. That task force needs to be a standing task force and dollars need to be reappropriated to existing entities in the community to increase testing as soon as possible. And they should have, uh, again... Trusted messengers have been a part of this from the beginning. If you're not teaching the trusted messengers to speak about uh, PCR testing and the difference between this box that you pick up at a Kroger or you pick up at a Safeway and having, you know, an actual sequence version of this test so you know what to do, then we're really missing it altogether. I mean, I've been preaching from the beginning that we should have had we should have enlisted our four HBCU medical schools. What is that? Charles Drew. Uh, Morehouse School of Medicine, Howard, and 
Three. My hair, where I'm from. My hair. My hair. I wasn't going to forget it. I was going to let you chime in. You know, you know, and I got to give a big shout out to the president of Meharry because he's been a part of this task force advising. He's been saying, like, do this. But we, and it's but hard. we gotta, but we gotta, we need to do more than than have them as a part of a task force. Word. They need to be on the front lines in our Negro communities. The AME church, there is no more yeah. politically active church in the black community than the AME church. I mean, right. they, that that's those are those are our trusted messengers. But let me ask you a science question because Let's you you may or may not remember, but at Morehouse, I was I was pre-med. Uh-huh. Uh, I remember I was I was pre-med for neighbor Matt uh, McBay. Yeah, I was I was pre-med for uh, a semester or two. Uh, I got that I got that bio for majors and chemistry for majors grade back. And I became an African-American <laughs> studies major my sophomore year. So that's, that's how that went. But explain to me, how did we end up with Omicron and explain how viruses mutate and why they mutate? And then talk to me about in L.A., Beverly Hills, probably they got that new thing called Florina. Or Florona. <laughs> and like, are we going to ever get out of the pandemic or is this shit just going to keep on mutating? Cool. I'm can, a, can, can, I'm I, a, can we do something here? Yeah. Sure. Dr. Brown, What's can good? I try to answer his question on why viruses mutate? Oh, and yeah. Then let's you do that. grade me I on the answer that. that I give. Yeah. yeah I'd love that? to do that. Okay. Okay. Here's this is his, not what? a curve. You got to grade him straight up. It ain't going to be no me straight up. On why viruses mutate. This is this is as I understand it. I love it. this. This is like from, real life case experience. I got it from Doctor Lathan. Okay, so a virus is always trying to replicate itself over and over and over and over again, but it normally does that very poorly, right? So when it's inside of wherever it's at, it's trying to replicate itself billions and billions and billions of time, right? Every once in a while it replicates itself in a way that actually gets through and like it changes a little bit. And then that becomes a variant. So when you have virus running inside of your body, it's like not particularly good at replicating itself. But then when it finds a way to do it, it can potentially become a new strain. And then that strain starts to replicate itself if it gets through your body's defenses. And then you spread that to somebody else and then it keeps going. That's why the more the virus has the opportunity to replicate itself, the more chance you have of having more mutations and variants and different strains. I'm going to give you a solid C. Like a solid C, bro. Like he said, you gave the most. You gave the most average answer. I'm gonna give you a, a smooth C. Like you used some words that I was like, okay, he's on there. But what it comes down to is, you you mentioned the process of a virus essentially getting into a host, and I get that. But the mutation portion isn't correct. A mutation okay. is like a part of a sequence, right? You remember that movie Gattaca where they were like all the ATGCs and all those little letters? Yes, that, Doc. Right. Now you speak my language. One of the coldest movies ever. But yes, when that yes, yes, Doc. Coldest oh, movie. Goodness, boy. <laughs> I, coldest movie. I ain't never been so lost. I'm going to have to watch Gattaca. All I'm going to say is. Gattaca is crazy. Yeah. Right. When, when, when you have a sequence that switches or there's a deletion or an insertion of a, of a part of that sequence, you get a change. How does that, how does that, how does that, happen though because in basketball let's use a in basketball yeah, rondo, rondo rondo gets traded fast right so the lakers are different mm, right? right so how does that how does rondo going to where is he not a bulls how does that happen on a virus now all right so rondo no, goes to the, the no he's not on the bulls where is he where was Marco rondo's Rubio? now he's the Cavs. Uh, he's at Cavs. the Cavs. Oh, the Cavs. Cavs. Right. Yeah. Cavs. Yeah. Cavs. 
So if we're talking about like the Cavaliers, right? The Cavaliers had a point guard. The point guard was Ricky uh, Rubio. Rubio no longer was able to play. So there's another point guard that came into that person's place. Now that point guard, is he as good as Rondo? Is, I mean, as, as good as Rubio? Maybe he's better. Maybe he's more effective at doing what he does. So that team gets more effective at doing what they do. And the more you switch these positions, now instead of a point guard, what if it's a forward? What if it's a center? What if it's the coach? So that's how you start to understand mutation and how the team progresses is the virus. That's how I would look at that. Um, you mentioned Florona. I want to make sure I get this first. <laughs> the flu and coronavirus. Look, we've seen people get the flu. People forgot about it. You know, it was like, you know, what is that other thing? The flu? People don't even get flu shots anymore. Uh, I think it's possible. And it's obviously demonstrated. It doesn't mean that the severity of that person's illness is going to be as bad as just one of the or the other. The flu still kills uh, more people worldwide over the, the course of its existence. Right. And we know that it has seasonal patterns. So it was only a matter of time until somebody had both of them. So is there a test for both of them? Oh, yeah. So we actually do a test that shows you all, a, a bunch of different viruses. It is probably got like maybe eight or nine different major viral strains in man, this you know one what that test. Me, uh, man, I went to Planned Parenthood my senior year when I graduated and got that STD test. Oh and man, they, they showed, showed you that paperwork. They got, that, that paperwork, <laughs> you you know what yeah. you look like a CVS you, receipt, man. You were just yeah. you, were pray, you were prayerful. You right. I mean, that. let's be honest. Let's be honest. Yeah, you went to school in Atlanta, so it probably should have been like nine pages. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, like, <laughs> just keep flipping. There were some, there were some mutations. There were some mutations. <laughs> in Atlanta, we want to make you keep our brothers out there safe. Yeah, um, yeah. I'll be safe. In Atlanta, uh, be be safe sure. out there, my guys. I love you guys. Um. Okay. So. Uh, what do you feel like then? Because I've, I've asked doctors this before. Um, I, I'm almost, I'm always concerned about when I can stop being scared. I think a lot of Americans are concerned about when they can stop being scared, when they'll look at their uh, COVID numbers as we all have them saved on these different apps and we'll stop seeing these numbers skyrocket and sky high and go crazy. Uh, I'm just ask you very, when is this thing going to peak? When do you see an end of this, end in this surge? Is there any way to really actually predict when a surge will end? So for people who are already at their wits end about this, what, what do you what are you thinking? Yeah, let me yeah. let me just let me let me pick back on that a little bit. Will it be like, are we going to always live through 2021? Because in 2021, we went through this phase where the the first part of the year, everybody was concerned about COVID. It got hot. We got the vaccine. Everybody's like, we good. And then around Christmas time, it hit. They started canceling football games. Every holiday gets screwed up. Will so we ever have Christmas again? Thank you. Good question. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I do think we will have it again. I don't know if it's going to look the way it once looked. Um, I, I think that we'll see patterns like this, right? And there will be surges. There will be uh, new variants. There will be uh, probably different iterations of the vaccine, different iterations of therapeutics. And as we get better, you're going to see a more of a shift towards normalcy um, to give you a hard idea of it. I don't think it's going to be this year. I think that the closest we got maybe is 2024. Right. Uh, and, and it's yeah, I know. It's, I know, man, I know. And, and here's the thing. Right. It's like. We're still learning about this in real time. 
we haven't had enough time with the virus to understand all of the patterns and we haven't had enough time with society to understand what our tendencies are around like large scale public health initiatives that that are like absolutely dire and so we're learning these things in real time let me ask you this question i mean you just saw seventy thousand people packed into the uh dolphin what is that hard rock down there yeah. to watch yeah to watch, orange uh, bowl yeah yeah to watch, to watch uh you know Michigan get steamrolled. You saw in, in the stadium Jerry built what Alabama did to Cincinnati. You didn't see no mask. No, I went, I went to the, I went to the North Carolina, South Carolina game. No, uh, we had masks on in our suite, but nobody had masks for real, for real. It, talk, talk to me about our responsibility and what we're doing. Are we helping to put it into this or mm -hmm. by going to these football games? People are, we're not going to shut down again, right. contrary right. to popular not at belief. All. We no, got to live with it because they're not, they not paying you to stay home no more. No, nah, so, those days are over. The bubble and all of this, like empty stadiums, I think that that's done with. Um, pandemic fatigue or COVID fatigue is real, right? And so we have to acknowledge that a lot of people uh, have gotten to a place emotionally, like a certain low that they don't ever want to return to. Uh, and, and sporting events help us forget what that felt like. So I expect it to continue. Um, what can we can do, honestly, continue to provide the service, continue to like dig in and be like, yo, Speak, speak this message. You see the numbers. You see that it helps. I would just continue to do that. And people are going to select whether or not they adhere to it or uh, whether or not they adhere to it. And just don't shame them because they choose not to wear a mask or choose whatever. I'm going to wear my mask because I understand the science of how it decreases um, uh, infectivity. Are you worried about because of some of the stuff that's going on? There's all there's always been anti-vaxxers and they've always had a platform. It's it's something that kind of was like a a bubbling counterculture movement over Word. the last four or five years. You'd hear about it. There was a case I remember when I was at TMZ of uh of a star being expelled, having her kids expelled yeah. from school in Malibu because she didn't want to get them vax and it was a whole big deal. And that's the first time I really got into it. Are you concerned at all with the prevalence of vaccine hesitancy now because of how you know, heavy the pandemic is being talked about, that there'll be vaccine hesitancy across the board, that you might see diseases like measles, mumps, rubella, all of those things make a comeback Ooh. because now vaccines have been demonized to the point to where they're going to throw every vaccine in with right. the COVID vaccine. I've thought about that, right? I mean, you start to see this with the flu, right? The flu vaccine and the pneumonia vaccine for our elderly people over 65 who got diabetes, right? The numbers are down. And it's because some folks have just decided all together, I'm not rocking with vaccines because the messaging around it is so uh, prevalent and intense, right? And so we've got to get back to a place where we break, break down the science behind a vaccine, especially for things like measles, mumps, rubella, tetanus. Like we need to know that pertussis. We have to understand those things because I don't want to ever go back to those ages where, you know, children were dying relentlessly because they didn't have these things. And so when you bring the conversation to kids to the forefront and like, yo, this is helping keep young people safe for multiple generations. This is something that we've seen work. I would always reframe it and bring those optics back to try to encourage the vaccination for like standard things. But I do expect it to like, you know, anti-vax is real you know you can't get around that let me while we on vaccines like every population can be vaccinated except uh five and under less than five yeah will we ever get to a point because my 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 kids turn three tomorrow happy birthday sadie and stokely early happy birthday, happy birthday. yeah happy birthday. Uh, they they're excited i think um 
So, and you know, one of my daughters is immunosuppressed. So, you know, right. you know, having the vaccine, understanding the efficacy of the vaccine, at least for her brother, because they share everything. You know, will we ever get to a point where kids five and under can be? Because that's my biggest concern right now. Yeah. I mean, I, look, yeah. I can brave it. You know, I'm a thug. I'm used to these streets, standing <laughs> on the corner in the cold weather with my feet wet. You know, we've there been out go. here. Isn't that, isn't that right, right, man? We've been out here in these streets. Yeah, <laughs> like we from the South. You know what I'm saying? We didn't we didn't have to we didn't have to make some hard times work. South with an F. South with an F. Yeah, we from the South. You know? <laughs> so so like will we ever get to a point where children five and under uh will have access to the vaccine? I'm going to be real. Um, I think that it will get there. I think there's a lot of uh, concern, particularly because, you know, parents, you have to really talk to parents and get them to understand what these uh, these different therapeutics do and vaccines do. Um, what I will say is I think we're going to see the age reduced for therapeutics for people who are immunosuppressed. I think that we've already had a, a, a major shift, I think a month and a half ago, where they released a pharmacological agent that's specific for people who have immunosuppression or have had reactions to uh, vaccines. And so that age is going to continue to trend downward. And I think that helps folks who are concerned. But the average kid, we've been getting exposed to coronaviruses for a long time and kids immune systems are resilient. That's why I think that people are hesitant to push the age down. Somebody once told me, I don't know if it's true or not, but Lysol was invented because of, because of uh, SARS COVID virus. That's how long it's been around. And, and, and that's one of the reasons I don't know if it's, I heard that. I, man, I don't I know. That's one of them. Black, black, that's black one of them drink Hennessy for say, COVID. Yo, I, 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 but y'all better I, have that Lysol. Y'all you. I stocked up on ginger ale when we first went to lockdown. I don't know about ginger ale, but we got a bunch of robotussin in the house. I was, I was, people was like, yo, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna try everything. I'm I'm already washing a bag of chips. Right. That, if that's not crazy enough, I might as well man, drink do you some remember, ginger. Do you remember, I do. man, when, when I we do. would bring the groceries in the house and you had the, you had the clean section and the unclean right. section right. on the we counter? Were, and right. I, I remember actually a moment where she, she hands me something. I'm like, I just never thought I would be washing the can of chili. <laughs> like, <laughs> just wiping it, wiping it the down. Chili, the chili is in the can. I just never thought I would be washing the can of chili. And then we put them over there and like the dry them, like the, like Se- the separate. Let me ask right. you this question real quick, Dr. Brown. I know I'm jumping, but this piggybacks on the, on the vaccine. Up? Talk to me about young people coming into your emergency room. Are you seeing a lot of babies coming in your emergency room? That's that's what scares yeah. shit out of me, man. Imagine yeah. imagine your child can't breathe. I mean, that's just yeah, crazy man. to me, man. It's a it, 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 we've definitely seen an increase. There's an uptick across and across the nation in pediatric uh, hospitalizations, pediatric uh, cases of Omicron, or rather, just the presentation of COVID. And so, part of that to me says, I mean, we're in the hot. We were just coming out of the holiday season, so I expected that. There's more people who are around adults. There's more folks who are around unvaccinated people, uh, and, and just general gatherings. The the bigger concern is like, how does that affect returning to school? And everyone has been asking that question, like, what's the safe protocol? Are there protocols in place? Uh, bigger concern for me has been how are these young people managing, right? So they're under five, I'm unvaccinated, having symptoms. What is the data showing us or where is the data headed in terms of their survivability of this and their potential long-term effects? Man, survivability, we always talk- survivability ain't even a word, Dottie. You just made that up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is with survivability. Trying to, you trying to deal with Whatever we we, we see got, what you're doing. Uh, look, you man, did it before I, I, too. You said you said, I'm trying to get you, said prognos, you said prognosis or something like that. I was looking at I was looking <laughs> at shit up. Jesus. Whatever it was, you said that, that ain't I'm no like, word. Man. Yeah, yeah, it's, that ain't no word. Yeah. I know survivability. 
Never heard. <laughs> the rate of survival? Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> Look, the, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. What you got over there, Van? Um, so, question. When I talked to Feigl Ding, he was looking for ways to cut around the politicization. I can't say it. Politicizing the. <laughs> you just it. giving him hell. You can't even say politicization. I, I, I can't say politicization. I can't say politicization. He was looking <laughs> for ways to get around that, right? And one way he said that something that's not at all political is changing the standards of indoor ventilation, right? Sure. Changing clean air standards, not outside, but inside. Mm-hmm. So. Could there be sort of a federal task force, a federal federal money donated to schools, churches, places like that where people gather that uh, recycles the air and makes sure that the spread is not happening indoors? Now, obviously, that's yeah. something that could be quite a expensive yeah i was gonna say i would look at that's a a cost benefit conversation to be real like if you're talking about putting hepa filters in a bunch of different spaces that didn't previously have them great but at the same time that same money can be used towards other resources that you can get to the same uh spaces that'll have a higher uh end result i just as a better end result oh yeah no like i said testing i would rather have more pcr tests i would rather have access to therapeutics because people are saying they want the monoclonal antibodies. I've had patients come straight to the hospital after watching CNN or watching whatever news media outlet and say, I've heard about this thing called blank, this monoclonal antibody. Can I get it? And then I have to look them in the face and be like, we don't have enough. You can only get that if you're a Republican. We did. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Chris Christie or, or, or a donor. Be honest with you. Or Chris, a donor Christie, of some Chris sort. Christie, Trump, all the problematic motherfuckers that went out there. Excuse and I will my tell friend. you, I will you tell can, you, you Ron, can only Ron, get. Did you see Ron DeSantis lately? He disappeared for like three weeks and now he's coming back heavy breathing. Right. You know, you know what I mean? You can only get Dang. that stuff if you're if you're a Republican telling people don't wear a mask and don't do Man. all of that stuff. I'm telling you, give watch you that. a special shot of tiger yeah, blood and you're back to, to do to spread misinformation again. That really pisses me off though. No, I some real it. shit. It yeah. does. It, and I'm I'm upset by it too when I see it happen. Uh, I just really am encouraging y'all to keep y'all your eyes on that part of the, the conversation. You know, we know this stuff works. If I give this medication to you in the first 24, 48 hours of you having symptoms and you're testing positive or rather, you know, diagnosed positive and I treat you, your outcome is better, but it's not accessible. They not they don't have the monoclonal antibodies available in the hood. They don't have them available to our, our you know, older folks who we've grown up with. It's literally like a crapshoot and you gotta be extremely sick in the hospital to get access to this because only one of them works for the Omicron variant. Let me ask you this, yeah. my, last, my last question for you is, what about vaccines and booster mandates? How do you feel about those mandates and stuff? I mean, are we back to politicizing or is it public health? Are you weighing the balance? Yeah, no, I feel right, like man. we'd be in a better spot if everybody, I mean, look, the first thing that they're going to say to me and Van uh, when we put this clip up on IG is they go say, oh, but you you got the vaccine and the boost and you still got it. That's right. not really the point. At but all. Are you for the mandate? <laughs> yeah. Now, we got to keep reiterating to folks that like the fact that you're alive because of this vaccination, then you're not in a hospital is a success. Like, that's the point. Uh, the mandates are tricky, right? Because on one end, I'm like, I, I really appreciate trying to have a, a universal approach to this, right? That's public health at its finest. But on the other side, you're like, yo, 
What about the person who need who has other health issues and is trying to like work out in a gym to lose weight to improve their personal health, but you can't get in a gym because you don't have vaccine status, uh, a vaccine card, or you don't have a proof of a negative test in the last 24 hours. Like that changes other health issues. And so I worry that we're going to mandate ourselves into a position where people's general health has basically been pushed to the wayside and people will be opting out of normal, healthy wellness activities and behaviors because of, you know, pressure from vaccination issues. Man, I, I worry about people not getting the vaccine and then going to the gym. I'm going to let you have that one, but I just don't see them hey. running around at the anti-vaxxer rally then trying to show up at goals mad they can't get in. They were protesting in the Burger King in New York. That's, facts. that's Look, where they crazy. were the mandates are, are are there for a reason but unfortunately you can't like mandate somebody and say all right we'll give you no information about what this is we won't have a, a online specialist 24 hours a day to help you understand your concerns we won't have specific hearings to help you navigate your decision tree around this vaccine like mandating without having that is basically ineffective and, and you know what else really grinds me is that I'm hearing so many people on the right that are saying, and I'm, I'm not in here to, to, to shoot arrows and, and start that whole thing. Talk about, oh, it's about diet and exercise, diet and exercise. M Obama tried that with y'all. She like she she tried to get y'all she tried to get y'all sack lunches looking good. She said, you know what? Put down the the sloppy Joe and eat an apple at lunch. Yeah. And you know what you did? You Called her a man her the, and a gorilla and everything you else. Kicked her in the butt for it. You said it's the nanny state. And now <laughs> three years later, or whatever, we have the problems. And now it's about diet and exercise. It's just very frustrating. And they last even pulled up her garden. They pulled up her garden, <laughs> dog. Yeah, it's crazy. Right, last question for me: Are yeah, you an alpha? Up? I sure am. I see that gorilla right there, man. I can always tell you guys, you guys repping these gangs and stuff that you're in. These gangs, yeah. man. <laughs> I see, like I can see these these gangs repping yeah, these you gotta, gangs. You got to look at them a little differently where they wear the matching colors and hey. start raising all that noise. <laughs> quiet as it's quiet as it's kept, that those those gangs could be utilized to do what we're talking about right now. Oh, hey, talk man. about that. Talk about saying. that real quick. That's talk true. about that real but, quick. But Italo, Italo, some of, some of these gangs got members that off message too now. Boy, that's why you gotta streamline the message. You, yeah. the, you gotta streamline some, the message. Some of your, some of your, some of your LBs and pro fights. I hear talk about they drinking prune juice and and uh, right, <laughs> right, looking for the prune for juice, the rubbing Vicks vapor rub rub on their chest, on their feet, wearing socks. You put Vicks on your feet on the bottom of your feet, man. I want to thank my brothers for joining me for a serious conversation. This no was problem. like an emergency e episode, and I needed somebody who could help me. Uh, kind of get through all of this. So I appreciate you, Van, always. My brother, love you and adore you. Atalo, you're always there when we need you. We're you so proud it, of you, man. This has been another episode of Bakari Solis Podcast, and we out.